need division and community. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am your host, Matt Fisher. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the <laughs> care awful, pastor. Prideful. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the one and only host here, Matt, care pastor at Hill City, where we record this in every episode of the podcast, and I am here with my co-host. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> also I'm <host>. your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. John Wagler, teaching pastor at Hill City. John, what's going on, man? Well, it's raining today. Uh, but, I'm, I'm you know, it. hey, I know. we needed it. I can't remember. I can't believe there were li- large swaths of my life where I convinced myself that I liked it when it yeah. was like gloomy out. I think maybe I liked it more growing up because in Florida, when it rains, it's warm. Sure. <laughs> There's no cold sure. rain in Florida. And it's like 30 minutes yeah. in the afternoon every day. I think so. the first time I had a normal winter in Richmond where I was like, it snows when it's cold and it doesn't rain until it's warm. I was like, this is cool. Right. And then after that, which is most winters, what. I experienced freezing cold rain. I was like, no. There's nothing fun about this. This is not okay. I don't like this. It's supposed to snow. (laughs) That's also like a very Floridian way to see anything north of the Mason-Dixon, which is like, so cold rain is snow, right? Like it (laughs) snows when it's cold, but there's moisture in the air. Is that correct? Like, no, there is a whole spectrum of awful weather between snow and warm. (laughs) Um, It is raining, but we are trying to stay sunshiny in here. I've... Still got a cough, so apologize. Still doing it. Still doing it. I think that I'm probably just going to have to move west to drier climes. That's right. And seek maybe We're hitting like, the Oregon Trail, folks. Hit the Oregon Trail. Maybe like, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm like maybe like leeches or alternative <laughs> some sort of alternative medicines. <laughs> um, but uh, might have probably worked for someone at some point. Some point it worked for somebody, or they wouldn't have kept <laughs> doing it. Um, this week on Stay Curious, we are going to continue um, our sort of extended conversation based around the message series going on right now, in which we talk about the eight core emotions. Eight. Eight core emotions um, that come out of the book Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. Yeah. Last week, we talked about hurt. Mm-hmm. A lot of good response from that. Yeah, a lot people of good are, response. People are sure. really hurt. Yeah, there are a lot of hurt going <laughs> a lot on. Of hurt. I just couldn't stop hearing the like uh, Johnny Cash covering that Nine Inch Nails song, I hurt myself <laughs> today. Um, and this week, we're going to talk about an equally fun topic. Yes. Loneliness. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, so, John, really quick, run through the eight core emotions for us. They are hurt, anger, sadness. No, I'm sorry. Hurt, lonely, sadness, anger, fear, shame, guilt, joy, or gladness. Joy. One good one. One good one. At the end. You got to get through the other stuff. It's That's like right. a video game. You got to make it through yeah, all the yeah. bosses to get to like the princess. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when you, you know, hurt runs through all of them. Mm-hmm. And so even when we talked about loneliness this week, you know, our loneliness comes from a hurt of some mm-hmm. kind. You know, we'll talk about sadness the upcoming week. It's we're sad because of hurt that happened. You know, so yeah. hurt runs through all of them at the top. Mm-hmm. But to get to authentic joy, you've got to learn the gifting of each one and learn how to process each one. That's right. That's right. But before we talk about loneliness, we're going to talk about the same core emotion that we talk <laughs> about every week here on Stay Curious with our now not so new segment, Stay, Stay Furious. Yeah. All right. What are you furious about, John? Stay furious. Say, what's your curiosity? Cars. <laughs> Here's why. This has been your furious a couple of well, times. Well, it's... It, it was your car. 
sure. Well, no. it's the annoyance of just having one. Yeah. You know, meaning like I enjoy to be able to get from A to Z, but just the constant upkeep, you know, and mm. when something goes wrong, you don't want to keep buying a new one. Yeah. That's not even like a financially responsible thing to do. You know, you get them paid off and then, you know, the brakes go and it's yeah. like 800 bucks or, you know, it's just, it's just annoying. I think mine is like sort of really actually very related to that. Mine is gas prices. Yeah. Not even that they're high. I'm not going to go off on the, oh, thanks, Joe. Sure. <laughs> like literally, dude, one block, it goes from 295 to like 317. I know. It's insane. Yeah. Like, and I just know, I saw, and I'm sure a lot of you did on the internet or whatever, like there was the like earnings report at the end of last year. It's like, don't tell me it's the barrel price. <laughs> you guys are cashing checks on this stuff. <laughs> like you all are making so much money off of like, soon as the stock market wobbles or almost completely crashes, like soon as the stock market changes, soon as like the administration changes, like any excuse for the gas prices to go up. I feel like the gas companies are like, oh, Here yeah, we go. spike those. Now's our time. Oh, do we switch? Do we switch presidents? Oh, do we switch parties? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Drive this, you know, like because they never get blamed for it. Isn't that insane? It is. It's crazy. That is insane. I know People, it's more complicated than we're making it, but still. You know what? I like, told you the other day, I'm done with the more complicated <laughs> thing. I think I understand all economics. <laughs> I think I have a deep understanding of economics. Now. I know it is. It, I'm sure there's some complications. Sure. But I'm sorry. Like. Every time there's, I mean, midterm election, mayoral election, presidential election, stock market fluctuates, healthcare goes up, like like interest rates and mortgages go up or down, the gas prices go crazy. Yeah. And it, and that, but like they, they're making, if they weren't making more money, I would be like, okay, there's something here I don't understand. But it's just like, the yeah. margin's larger. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Somebody explain to me what I don't understand. I would love... Can you imagine, though, being the person who's like, guys, let me defend the oil companies really quick. I know, it's hard. <laughs> like, if they, that's you, send us an email. I would lo- I, like legitimately with no agitation at you. Yeah. Want to meet the person who's like. In total defense of the oil companies. Like in total defense of like, this is yeah. why it works and this is why they're right. It needs to be. Can you run a car off of nuclear power? You have to be able to, right? right? That, like just like a, like a little like fingernail little clipping of, of a fingernail <laughs> clipping of uh, of uh, of like enriched uranium. <laughs> yes, you can, but if you crash, it destroys the right, whole city. Right, I was about to say like I guess there's <laughs> if there's yeah. a, if there's a car accident, you don't have a state anymore. Uh, a flux capacitor. Man, I was more upset about that than I thought. Yeah. I really got going. It's good to vent for a, for a little bit. Yeah, for you. I mean, you know, I think that's the thing though. Is like some of the time. You were you even started doing it, and I do it all the time. We try to like, we try to cap our anger with like, I'm not an expert, which is a good thing to do. Sure. I don't know what I don't know. I'm <laughs> for sure not an expert in this yeah. area. But sometimes you just gotta say, no, don't don't give me that. I'm not an expert. I mean, like, <laughs> just let me have it. Just let me have it. I'm accessing the core emotion of anger about gas prices in this country right now. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've gotten that off of our chest, we are gonna take. A quick break and then come back and continue our conversation that kind of started this past Sunday um, on the core emotion of loneliness. Y'all know we stay curious over here. <clears throat> All right. And we're back. I always say like a short break, like it's not a 15 we second break. We just literally just breathe. Literally like the, it's like one snippet from the song. I know. Well, you know. We I, need advertising. We, I was about to say, we need, we need a spot. I was just about to say, can we just get. Casper Mattress. Come? I. And Are we semi-serious? Yo, if you we want to were, advertise on we the show, totally. we would open. I know you got to have a certain amount of 
listeners. But I mean, we have some listeners. Oh, we have. A, I mean, in the scheme of life, we have a lot of listeners. If you would like to give us money for the glory of being on the show, <laughs> not necessarily for like, uh, what do they call them? KPIs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. J. Crew. I know. <laughs> I mean, Gasp technically, the Gap should be sponsoring Hill City anyway because they stole our name and our logo that's true. for that like running back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, and God smited them, and they didn't. Oh, that's right, it, it never didn't prevail. Just saying, prayer works. There's only one Hill City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. There's like thirty <laughs> Hill Cities. Um, so this week, um, John, you gave a really great message on loneliness, on yeah. this idea of loneliness. Can you really quickly um, talk about? Recap really quick how each core emotion has a gift and uh, what what do you call it an encumbrance or what's impairment? The impairment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a better word, but that's just I like what encumbrance. Tip Dad, <laughs> Dad uses. So. Um, so talk to us about loneliness, the gift, the impairment, and then yeah, I'll kind of open it up just like maybe with some stuff you couldn't fit yeah. into your message. So loneliness, the gift is intimacy, which we all deeply desire, mm. and uh, that intimacy can come through. You know, it's interesting whenever you talk to, about intimacy, mm-hmm. we, it, people typically initially go towards something sexual, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I believe shows how we've perverted relationships. Yeah. You know, that's why we get into these conversations of, well, can I have, you know, kind of an intimate friendship? Mm-hmm. Like, is that intimacy? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Totally except for can. Except for if you think that that word just means sex, in which case Correct. you're nicely asking me if you can have a friends with benefits <laughs> situation, <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> which is also so weird because it's like. Just say sex. I know. <laughs> like, why do it? Like, I it, I don't think people, I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but like, I don't think people realize how badly it messes us up when we use like evasive language uh, yeah. for stuff. Because then none of us know what the other one means when yeah. we're talking. So, yeah. anyway, intimacy. Yeah. And then the impairment is apathy, which is uh, essentially indifference. Um, you can, uh, it's not laziness. It, it's just like you have just a general indifference towards love. Yeah. And, and so what you'll do in that is you'll typically be a consumer of relationships. You'll have emptiness in your relationships. You'll be, uh, defiant against, you know, what might be good for you. And, uh, and so you interact with people, uh, in that way. And, and so, um, that builds and defines every relationship that you have. Yeah, and I think that apathy part is like, to kind of give an example, it's really that attitude of like, you can't hurt me because I don't care. Correct. Which is a lie. You care. Yes. I think that's the main thing is it's a lie that we tell ourselves that like, well, whatever. Yeah. You know, because you're afraid of being hurt because you're afraid of loneliness. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So what are some things, you know, again, kind of like I said last week, you get, what, 30, 35 minutes or Mm -hmm. whatever. What are some things that were maybe on your heart? Um or in your notes that you wish that you could have shared during that primary message or things, are there any things you wish you could have expounded on a little bit? There are a couple of things. I think, you know, uh, I actually got nervous cause I had so many, I had more notes than I have ever had in any sermon really? ever. And I was like, Lays, I, don't, I hope this isn't. You just see all the kidsmen people staring know, at you. I know. So, but I, you know, there were a couple of things that I thought, um, I wish I could have had more time to talk about maybe something around, you know, what are you doing to avoid your loneliness? You know, so, uh, you know, when, because we all have that feeling, we can all get that feeling of loneliness, but we all are doing things sometimes to avoid it. You know, what does that look like for you? And get people to start thinking about that. I started to think about, um, even when you think about loneliness, like what do you picture? 
you know, because yeah. that helps like shape yeah. certain things. Because I think a lot of times people will start picturing this just sad, weak individual, mm-hmm. you know, can't have friends, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of off, but that's not true, you know, and you and I both know because we counsel so many people of how many folks even in relationship are, you know, are lonely. Mm. Um, it's the worst kind of lo- alone together. Is yeah, the worst it's loneliness. terrible. Um, I also would have loved to, you know, maybe um, talked a little bit about how loneliness doesn't, when, when we experience loneliness and we don't process it, it mm-hmm. actually prohibits us from learning how to be alone, mm-hmm. you know, in a healthy yeah. way, learning how to have like solitude and mm-hmm. silence and what that looks like and how it, that can deeply impact your faith and yeah. connection and intimacy with God. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be too on brand and, and, uh, bang the solitude drum, but <laughs> for me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, learning, learning that you can be alone and not feel lonely. Yeah. Which I don't. Was that when you first started like your contemplative journey, was that a hard part for you or no? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So loneliness. Sorry, I should preface the rest of this episode with loneliness. I have through some of the work that we're doing now um, when I did it, you know, or have been doing it. Loneliness is like if I'm Batman, loneliness is a joker. Like loneliness is my number one. Most of the time when I feel discomfort, angst fear, pain in my interior world, if I ask enough questions, eventually the answer is loneliness. Mm. For me, I don't know that that's yeah. true for everybody, but yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like fingerprints, like a little different for everybody. Sure. But for me, that is the core. Um, and that might be, an, I don't know, that might be a four thing. I think that fours have abandonment stuff and whatever. But yeah. for me, like if I ask enough questions, I'll get to lonely. Yeah. Um, so in my contemplative journey, yeah, a massive part of the healing there was to realize that I'm never alone. But you really can't get there until you, you can't, <laughs> you don't realize that like you, capital Y you, like your spirit, your whatever, you, the, the, the you that um, is the spirit that, that yeah. guides the ship that looks out from your eyes is never alone until your body learns to be alone. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. And when I say your body... Stop me if I get too, <laughs> get too into this. Um, <clears throat> when I say your body, when I say your body, I also I always also mean your brain, mm-hmm. because I can be physically alone and still be thinking, having conversations. Yeah, they're all yeah. One big thing that was helpful for me was realizing that I um I like shadow box all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I was alone and super unhealthy and like at the beginning of my contemplative journey, a big realization for me was that. I was never alone because when I had a moment of quiet, I would run through conversations that had never happened in my head. Mm. So I was like sparring with people, mm-hmm. but not really them, like just their ideas. Like, oh man, I wonder if John said this. Well, what I would say is this, or I wonder if like my friend who thinks differently, like came at me with this, like how would I respond? Yeah. That's not being alone. Right. <laughs> you are <laughs> you are populated with your idea of other people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, a big part of the like solitude thing for me was learning that, to really feel the, again, I don't want to get too like woo-woo, but to really feel that deep unity, that deep elimination of loneliness mm-hmm. with Christ requires being physically alone yeah. so that you can really feel deep down in your soul, oh, I'm never alone. Like yeah. truly, I I couldn't be alone if I tried. Yeah. Like he he's as 
what is that? He, he's a, he's closer to me than I am to myself. Mm-hmm. He knows me better than I know myself. It's in him that we live and move and have our being, right? Yeah. If, so for me, like, yeah, that the solitude piece of the contemplative thing is what is slowly teaching me, and it still props up. Like I said, the other thing about loneliness sort of being the Batman and my Joker is, like, if you've ever watched any of those movies or read those comics, the dichotomy between those two characters is that, like, if Batman kills the Joker, he won't have – he won't be Batman anymore. Sure. And the Joker – will kill everyone in the city but Batman because he is like, you're what makes me me, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's also this thing of like, it's almost a defining characteristic of me. I don't know that I would ever want to not struggle with it because yeah. it's kind of who makes me me. Well, yeah, I mean, Chip says, I won't get the quote exactly right because I'm just going off the top of my head, but you know, he says that loneliness is given to us by God yeah. so that we can experience the gift of intimacy. That's right. You know, and so... When you think about it in that manner, you wouldn't want loneliness to be taken away from you. You yeah. you want to be able to process and experience and and uh, uh, engage it mm-hmm. in the right way. Yeah, you yeah. can't enjoy food if you're never hungry. Yeah, you know, like you have to long. For, there's an old um, I can't remember who the quote is from, but it's also the name of a record. But it's this idea that satisfaction is the death of desire. Mm-hmm. That like satisfaction is almost like in our physical life not a good thing because then how will you know sure how will you know hunger you know like how, yeah. how will you want for anything so yeah that idea of loneliness um leading toward intimacy and look yeah in a perfect world i would get up every day and every day i would experience holy intimacy with the lord on the bench <laughs> that don't happen yeah but the fact that i have and i know that i can really helps with the yeah that the shapes the thing. thought process behind yeah. it so even in the engagement of it it changes everything because yeah you've experienced intimacy and you understand the desire of it. That's right. And so that's what you want to move towards that's rather right. than the indifference of it and yep. know that as well. Yeah. There, you know, I remember someone, uh, not that long ago we were talking and they, and it was in a counseling session and they, they were like, well, what do I, uh, it feels like I have everything, mm. but I still feel empty, Yeah. you know? And it's interesting because, you know, you start asking some more questions, obviously when someone says something like that, but it's like that feeling of emptiness, The that first thing, it, it should uh, allow us to know uh, that if we're empty, that something needs to be put in there, you know? And mm. so if, if you're feeling empty in your relationship, it's like, oh, that's because something's actually missing. Yeah. You know, it's not that you need to consume something else or achieve mm-hmm. something else or... It's like, all right, if in my marriage or in my friendship mm-hmm. or whatever, that there's something I feel empty, then then that should be an indicator that I'm lacking intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to start this conversation of like, well, what does it look like to have intimacy with my spouse? I thought we've yeah. been married for 10 years and yeah. why, why is this gone? And, and that should be what's driving some of the conversations. But too often what people do is like, well, we're married and we go through tough seasons and we do this and we do that, you know, but you're just not coming to the grips of just saying, I actually feel like really lonely in my relationship mm-hmm. and it feels like I should have it all together, but I just don't, yeah. you know, and it should spark something in us of this deep desire that we're missing intimacy. Yeah. And I think I'm going to see if I can do, this is a very like Eastern analogy. I feel like Henry Nowen uses it. So I'll see if I can do it <laughs> justice. But I think a lot of the times with our relationships, we're kind of like people who are like staring at an empty bowl and being like, this bowl sucks. I need a new bowl. Mm you never put anything in the bowl. Yeah. Like a, a friendship is is the container. Like, you know, you forged, okay, we like the same things. We, you know, our kids hang out or we're on the same, we're in the same department. However, friendships are forged, you know, 
you forge it. It's just the container. The intimacy is the cereal yeah. or, or the salad or whatever you're sure. putting in the bowl. But I think a lot of the times what we do, we see this, you and I see this with marriage stuff a lot in marriage counseling and stuff is like the thrill is gone. We've fallen out of love, whatever the stuff yeah. people say. Well, no, you, you guys spent a lot of time making a marriage, which is good. Sure. You spent a lot of time throwing this bowl, this clay bowl, and then staring at it, wondering why it's broken. It's like, yeah. it's not broken. You never put cereal in the bowl right. or milk you made in the a bowl. choice not to develop the relationship yeah and so yeah. now you think you need a new bowl like the yeah. bowl the the container is fine put something you got to put intimacy into it you know yeah. you gotta and that's true that can be true of even like roommate relation i mean any relationship, any relationship in your life like the relationship is not the thing it's the thing that holds the thing <laughs> you know intimacy yeah. is the thing yeah and you know it's it's interesting too because you you know, I talked about this on Sunday, but one of the first things that ends up happening with intimacy is you have to be able to trust the other person, yeah. you know? And so even like dealing with the reality of, uh, can I fully trust or do I feel safe? You know, can I fully trust the person I'm with? That is the biggest question you have to ask when it comes to intimacy with the other person, because if you can answer, no, I can trust them, then you can move towards it. Mm -hmm. If you're telling yourself, I can't trust them, then you've put suspicion there, right? Yeah. Which is what Andy Stanley talks a lot about. But you put suspicion in that relationship and it's like, okay, well, you'll never have intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so you got to figure out then how do you build and move towards trust? I remember uh, Henry Cloud, I wrote this, I didn't read this quote on Sunday, but I had it in my notes, but it said, Henry Cloud is an, another um, psych. Uh, he, he a doctor he, he's a doctor he, he's got PA. he's got a doctor before his name uh, uh, he is a psychologist okay uh he said this he said the ability to diagnose the people who are worth your investment of time and trust is one of the most valuable skills you'll ever ever, ever learn and it was like interesting because i was like processing that i'm like okay some of our loneliness that we end up experiencing is because we keep keep putting ourselves in situations and relationships with people that shouldn't be trusted, mm -hmm. you know, or people you shouldn't invest your time in because they, you know, are trying to always take something from mm -hmm. you or they're hurtful or whatever. They aren't healthy people. And it's like figuring out how to put yourself in scenarios with people, whether that's community groups, discipleship, you know, serving mm -hmm. with people or just finding the right people, you know, at work, whatever it is. And understanding that those are the people that I want to be around that are going to move me towards where I want to go. Mm -hmm. What an incredible skill set. I mean, mm -hmm. if we started like, hey, starting in elementary school, yeah. who were the biggest idiots you were around? You, <laughs> right. know, you start going through the list yeah. like throughout your life, like how much time that would have saved me, how many mm -hmm. bad decisions that would have saved me, you know, yeah. the things that it was shaped in our brains and hearts and everything. Yeah. I think it's also like being able to assess assess yeah who, who's worthy of my trust is something that for a lot of people feels impossible because their trust was violated in the family yeah absolutely you know, family yeah. system right in the family of origin but another sort of on the flip side of that something that i've noticed as a pattern in some folks that i've been talking to recently is actually the very hard reality of growing up in a tight family mm -hmm. um no way's family is perfectly healthy but um there's there's obvious issues when the family is super broken or like super untrustworthy or abusive or whatever. Yeah. But there's also these weird issues of like growing up in a home that is supportive and nurturing and then going out into a broken world. Yeah. Right. Something that I've been trying to communicate to certain people who are having intimacy issues is you do have to remember no one's a sure bet. There's no such thing sure. as a sure bet, you know. 
people um and and don't use that as an excuse to like well no one's a sure bet so like <laughs> this guy you know like cheats on me or whatever um but no one is 100% a sure bet like you can never i remember one of the most affecting things that we learned in marriage counseling was to have our counselor look at us and go you can never walk a mile in that person's shoes mm-hmm. you will never i will never know what it's like to be jenny and she will never know what it's like to be me we can be closer than any other people in each other's lives yeah but the reality of it is i'll never there's no freaky friday situation where i wake up her one day and get to spend a day as her you know so it's like that leads i think into the vulnerability piece yeah where like you there's never a situation where you are building intimacy and it's a sure bet it's always vulnerability there is always a chance for that other person to yeah. hurt you you get to decide whether you trust them or not yeah you know now are there sure you know if you think about bets <laughs> like there's the guy throwing dice on the side of the road there's like a reputable casino in Las Vegas and then there's like a Roth IRA. They're all a bet. <laughs> sure. You could you know, you could you would agree that one is a sure bet than the next, you know, yeah. on up the line. But ultimately, you know, your IRA could tank too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's like when someone's like dating a you know, they end up married and it ends up okay, but and the dating like, see, you don't have to like follow those rules. I'm like, you went you just put all your money on black yeah and you, you just happen to hit yeah, just because you hit yeah <laughs> totally yeah but you're, yeah it's your outlier you know it is interesting too because you know hearing you talk about they're not being a sure bet and how people might say you know family of origin stuff obviously is so big because if something was broken on the front end and you didn't have trusting relationships and mature relationships how hard it is to develop those as you continue to grow i'm just fascinated because i'm hearing you talk i was like man i can't wait to this week's sermon because okay. like it, it is interesting how these all are like hurt is woven through all of them, but they're also all kind of build on each other. Mm-hmm. And so even the way uh, I'll talk a lot about grief mm-hmm. and wh- how to properly grieve and yeah. how that can move us towards acceptance and hope, yep. you know, and, and so as we work through sadness mm-hmm. and so, but some of this is all like kind of intertwined and it's so fascinating. I think it's also why people are drawn mm-hmm. to a lot of these conversations around emotional health, yeah. but, and so to have the idea of hope relationally in spite of what has happened yeah. requires us to move towards emotional health ourselves, yeah. you know, and to do all the work and you can't give up hope on that, you know? Yeah. And grief is, man, I'm excited to hear you talk about that because yeah. that truly is in some ways the only way to move forward. Absolutely. Because when we're talking about trust, we're talking about vulnerability. If you grew up in a home where, I don't know, one of your parents was an addict or, mm-hmm. or couldn't be trusted, was not responsible, right? You, but you don't, you deserved to have a mom you could trust. Sure. But you didn't get that. Yeah. If you don't grieve the fact that, you know, seven-year-old you deserved, you know, to have a mom that, they, that would pick them up when they said they were going to pick them up um, and not leave them at school, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't grieve that, then the the wife, the husband, oh, it's the same thing's going to happen. It'll yeah. always be the next, like, oh, I know what happens here. Exactly It'll always it. be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You can't, if you don't, like, I heard somebody say, like, if you, if you don't bury the body, there's bodies everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you yeah. have to grieve, acknowledge, first off, acknowledge the fact that you're worthy. And, and that you're made in the image and likeness of God and that he designed you to have two parents who love you and care about you or siblings that watch after sure. you and, you know, whatever, and friends that don't stab you in the back and neighbors that don't beat you up. You know, like he 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 uh, designed us for that. And you may not have gotten that. 
And so you have to acknowledge first that you're worthy of that. Like yeah. that you, you deserved that. You don't deserve, you know, we don't deserve everything, but like we deserve love. We yeah. deserve to be cared for. And then once you've acknowledged that you did deserve that, being able to grieve that you didn't get it is a really sure way to make sure that you get it in the future. Yeah. Because if you don't, then everyone you encounter will just be some version of that mom you couldn't trust, friend who stabbed you in the back. You get stuck in the loop. You. Yeah, you get stuck in the loop. Yeah. You get stuck in the loop. Yeah, and that's the, uh, yeah. So I can't, like, that's going to be a good, I'm excited to yeah. talk about that. It's interesting, you know, even when I was thinking about loneliness, and I didn't talk about this um I, I did a little glancing blow at it on uh, uh, in the second service. I didn't in the first, but you know, I've I've had two interesting. I was thinking about times of loneliness, yeah, uh, and there were two interesting uh, things that popped into my head. One was uh, I, you know, over sabbatical, I actually had lo- like I battled loneliness. I didn't have I didn't put words to it until Lacey and I sat down mm-hmm. and we're really talking about it. And, and part of what really stuck out to me ab- about experiencing loneliness was when the staff came over to sing happy birthday to, to oh, Lacey. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had seen some of you guys like a little yeah. bit where we texted and talked, but we were like separated. And, and it was interesting because I was explaining like how I felt when you guys walked in the room and like that it was emotional for me, like just seeing you guys and, and there was like a beauty of it because I was like, ah, oh, it just shows like how much I love our staff, you know, and all that stuff. But we were also, we kept talking and, and she was like, I think there's also a level like of loneliness. Do you feel that? And I, and I said, yeah, I, there's a piece missing, mm-hmm. you know, as, as much fun as we were having as a family and as a couple mm-hmm. and all that, there was still a piece. I was like, I feel a little bit of loneliness because mm-hmm. there, uh, the intimacy that we have on the staff with, all you guys was like something that was like, I don't know. It was just missing. And I, you know, I felt that during sabbatical, which was like an interesting time of feeling lonely, you know, and, um, and talking about that. And the other, the other, uh, part of my story with loneliness that like popped in was, um, I was pretty lonely in church for about 10 years. Mm. Like when I came, uh, when I first like reentered the church world, and at 23 and, and started being like, all right, I want to make a commitment to this. It was interesting because all my life I'd been on teams, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, that's the same as like being in a band with yeah. guys for a long time. Yeah, and you, you experience things. You're just, you're just in it for so long and so many memories and so many hours and mm-hmm. so many, you know, the travel, the, all those things. And, you know, leaving college, there was like this huge void that mm-hmm. was there and realizing I would never experience that level of team. You, you can't replicate it mm-hmm. unless you keep playing on a team your whole life, you know? And, and so I didn't, I, I had friends in church, but again, looking back now, it's interesting because I, I didn't have vocabulary for it, but I was lonely. Like I was, I, we'd gotten married and Lacey's my best friend, mm-hmm. but I was, I had spent the better part of probably a decade feeling mm-hmm. like lonely in the context of church. Again, had friends, even like we'd go on vacations with some people mm-hmm. or, you know, had some good conversations, but it wasn't, it wasn't driving the intimacy that, you know, I had been longing for. And I was like, man, that's kind of sad. You know, like I was like kind of sad for myself for a little bit. Cause I was, I was like, I did not experience like authentic, intimate, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in my re-entry back into church, which was, which was tough to like think about because 
uh, we shouldn't experience that as Christians, yeah. hypothetically, you yeah. know, in community. Yeah. So it's like interesting. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of ways that like loneliness can kind of be covert. Those are like good examples of, yeah, of course you would feel lonely. Yeah. But, or, you know, like, but I didn't know it in the moment. Yeah. You, you know, you were feeling other emotions yeah. that were masking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, exactly. Um, the example that keeps coming up to me of like masked loneliness or like loneliness, complex loneliness, I think is, um, one example is this, this happened, this is probably a few months ago now, maybe even like six months ago, but there was like a 48 hour period where I was just a jerk. Like I was a jerk. I wasn't here a lot. So you guys probably didn't experience <laughs> it, but like I was mean to the kids and I was super mean to Jenny. And it was like, I came here to work and we were having, we were in the middle of like a kind of a tough conversation. We were talking about some structural stuff, just work stuff, but like conflict. Mm -hmm. I think we were having healthy confrontations, but like it was hard. It was, there were tough conversations. And, um, I, you know, I think I probably felt like I was taking the minority position on it, you know, or whatever. And then I went home and I went to therapy. I had a therapy appointment, which is supposed to make me, you know, usually makes me feel better. And then I got out of that, that therapy and I was just fear. It was anger. I felt anger. I was furious. And, um, I was just for the next, after that 24 hours, such a jerk about everything. And then finally the next day I was building, um, I was building our, we got a new bed frame and I was, you know, had the Allen wrench out and I was like building the bed frame, which does always usually make me a little agitated. Anybody's ever put (laughs) Ikea furniture together. But Jenny said something to me and I snapped at her and she called me out on it, which I'm glad she did. She was just like, you, ever since you got out of therapy yesterday, you've been such a jerk. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I know, but I'm so angry. (laughs) And I just, I started, I took a moment, I breathed, and I started being curious about what am I really feeling. Mm -hmm. It would have been easy to settle on anger. You, You know, we were kind of not angry, but we were having a disagreement or we were like on the different sides of a thing, like, like we so often are. Sure. Um, but there was, it was all kindness and love. Like I, we never exchanged angry words, you know, it was just work stuff. And I had a great therapy session. So I was just like, why am I so angry? And I started being curious about it. And what I realized was I felt lonely. Hmm. I felt like I'm the only person at the office who thinks this and there's nowhere for me to fit in. I don't fit in with my punk friends because I work at a church and then I go to therapy and like the ther I'm venting in therapy. And it was one of those rare instances where the venting made it worse. Sure. And so I'm just highlighting how I'm, how nobody understands me, how like how I'm feeling alienated and, and all this stuff. And then that like agitated it. And then it culminated in I'm sitting here and I can totally build this bed frame by myself. I do not need Jenny's help. I mean, like physically I can yeah. do it, but I just stopped and I go, Jenny, can you just help me put these screws into this bed frame? Because really I feel alone. Mm-hmm. I just need to feel like not alone. Yeah. And so we just sat there in silence because she was still kind of agitated at me. Yeah. Every right in the world. But she She's honored like, my you know request. I'll yeah, I'll put these screws. <laughs> yeah, I'll put these screws in your head, you jerk. Um, and she sat there with me and like pretty much in silence, we just sat there and like, put this bed frame together and I felt so much better. And it was because my brain, it was, I always tell people don't give a hundred dollar answer to a $10 question. My brain was kind of trying to come up with every complex, everything from like, I don't belong here, you know, here at church, here at Hill city to, I think I'm having a bout of depression. Maybe I need to like, um, restart my medicine or the whole gamut of like problems. Yeah. I was just lonely. I just felt 
lonely. And I felt embarrassed that I felt lonely because it's you do that thing where you're like, you're not alone. You people care about you, sure. and like everyone loves you, and you have this family. But it, I just felt lonely. Yeah. I just felt alienated. I felt alone. And like the the minute that I could identify it, and literally the simplest request. Could you just sit here and, like, could you take an Allen wrench and I'll take an Allen wrench and we'll just put this bed frame together for 10 minutes? Yeah. Done. Like, everything. I don't want to say, like, there's magic, you know, cures for things. But, like, in this instance, yeah, the minute I identified it, done. It is interesting. Like, you're just describing why it's so important to continue to think through what you're actually experiencing. And that's, mm. part, that's part of, like, why I love the feelings chart in yeah. and of itself. It's because you might... To your point, you might, you know, say like, oh, I feel so angry, but that's not actually what was shaping it, you know, or it could be shame. It could be fear. In this case, for you, is loneliness. Yeah. But like there, there are so many things that could be like mm-hmm. happening within that, that it's so important to increase our vocabulary and understanding of, of, of what's truly going on. Because if we don't, uh, you know, even this week talking about sadness is like if we don't process our grief essentially there's a cognitive interpretive way we begin to see everything Mm -hmm. around us and whether that's you know a perceived thing or a personal thing or um, i think the other p is like permanent like you know you start having these thoughts that are blatantly not true and they create these patterns Mm -hmm. but when you're able to kind of see in the moment of whatever you're actually experiencing and feeling and being able to see and understand like okay here's the gift of this and here's the impairment of this and here's what I'm actually feeling, then your brain can actually engage what's really going on and then you can start interpreting in the right way yeah, and writing the right story. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. your brain at lightning speed will fill in the gaps. Absolutely. If you don't stop, yeah. truly, I always feel like, do you remember, um, do you remember that skit, Stuart Smalley, where it was like, I'm good enough, I'm smart oh, yeah, enough, oh, yeah, and yeah, gosh yeah, darn yeah. it, people yeah. like me. And he yeah. was kind of like a joke version of like a therapist yes. or like a, yeah. I always feel like that guy. And I'm always worried that I seem like him. But you know what? I think Stuart Smalley was right. <laughs> I'm just going to say big ups to that, uh, that Al Franken character. Yeah. Um, truly, if you take a minute to breathe, like you're, when you're feeling heightened, um, whether it's loneliness, shame, anger, sadness, whatever, your prefrontal cortex is offline or is yeah. like going offline, which is the part of your brain that makes decisions, that writes poetry, that plans out your day, like that does all the higher cognitive functions. It's going offline. It's putting all the blood and oxygen and everything into like the animal part of your brain to make you safe. If you breathe, you are telling your body, it is a clear message to your brain and body, you're okay. You can still make decisions now. Mm-hmm. Like you're, there's no bear, saber tooth tiger, you know, serial killer whatever like there's no it's not you're okay you breathe and you take a moment you can stop filling in those gaps at lightning speed and start thinking about your thinking yeah um and again there's no doubt somebody's listening to this that's like oh another breathing guy like you're gonna tell me to breathe it out yes yeah (laughs) because literally it makes it so that you can stop because yeah, even in my you know the situation that I gave at lightning speed, my brain was starting to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. I sh- I'm at the wrong job. That's a really complicated sure. question. I need yeah. to change my career. Yeah. Um. My me- my chemicals are imbalanced. Like I think that I'm going into another bout of depression. Maybe you know. Um. It wasn't until I was able to take a moment, breathe, and be in the moment to say, hold on, what's really going on? Well, you're describing too, like the reality of taking responsibility. Yeah. You know and taking responsibility can start with breathing 
but it can also then move us to like initiating something, you know, like you're, uh, you've got to be an initiator of relationship. You've got to be initiator of questions. You got to engage. Like there, there are these things that deeply impact our intimacy and ability to like understand what's going on. Yeah. And that responsibility piece in that moment of breath and like being able to think about your thinking you realize that you are responsible for your emotions. Nobody makes you feel any right. way. Yeah. You feel that way. And sometimes I will say feelings, they happen so fast that they're not a choice. It's almost like I've heard it described, maybe I said this on the last podcast, I've almost heard core emotions described as like a sneeze. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if every time you sneezed, you spent the rest of the day trying to figure out why you sneezed? What are the like deeper implications of sure. your sneeze? You know, it comes and it goes. It's a, re- you know, something happens. You, a little pepper in the nose, dust, you know, random dust moat. You see something, you hear something, you smell something, something's triggered, and suddenly you feel sad. It's okay to just sneak. It's okay to just, yeah. hey, I feel sad right now. Interesting. Yeah, and the it, more you do check it, in with yourself, is it deeper? No, yeah. maybe it's not. Correct. Yeah, the more you do the work. Yep. And the more you express the voc- right vocabulary. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're going to always happen. And yet no one yeah. on the face of this earth handles everything the right way yeah. and you experience it. But the more you're kind of engaged in the work, the the easier it becomes mm-hmm. and the more fruitful it becomes. Yeah. And that responsibility piece is about realizing like, <clears throat> like for me with, with the loneliness, I felt ashamed to feel lonely because I didn't have, I feel like I didn't have a reason to feel lonely. It doesn't sure. matter. Still felt lonely. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <clears throat> and it turned out I did have a reason to feel lonely. Yeah whether it was a quote unquote good reason or not, but that was me taking responsibility yeah. for my feelings. Yeah. You know, even if someone is hurting you and you need to set a boundary, it, you still like you're, this is my hurt. Like this is my, um, this is, this person is making me feel small, Yeah, but I'm the one who feels small. Like they can't make me, you're giving them more power, I guess, like in yeah. an abusive relationship, you're giving them more power than they deserve. They need a boundary but they can't make you feel any way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on loneliness? No. That's no? cool. No, I I just I'm excited to like continue to like piece these things together and and just have little side conversations about it. But you know, my hope through all of this is uh, even you know, and talk talk about loneliness in particular. My hope is that you know we will all want to just continue to take a step. You know, and just keep taking little steps and uh, little steps of engagement and uh, through all of this and through all this emotional health stuff. At the end of the day, we're still talking about how God desires us to be, Mm. you know, and and what he wants to see our soul be like and Mm. to experience life to the fullest. And so that's the biggest thing for this. Yeah. All y'all that are in a hurry. Slow down. It's okay. This takes time. This yeah. is hard. I've heard a lot of people since we started this series be like, oh, it's so hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. It's okay. It takes time. You don't need to be your fully actualized self the next six Absolutely. weeks. Um, and yeah, with, I guess my final thought on loneliness and all of the core emotions, as we go through this and, you know, wait till we get to the end, like learn about all of them. Don't just go picking one. I really encourage people. It has really helped me a lot to be able to identify my sort of pet core emotion, like to be able, because it's not always loneliness for me, most of the time it is, but to be able to check my interior state against that, like first now, I ask myself, am I lonely? Yeah. And check in with that. And then if I, if I figure out now loneliness ain't it, I'm angry. Like this makes me, this legit makes me angry. This is not anger. 
this is not loneliness masquerading as mm-hmm. anger, is is helpful. And based on what I know, most of us do have like sort of a single – not a single, but most of us have a core emotion that is kind of like we the Joker or lot, Batman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is kind of the main theme. Based Mine's on, shame. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so thanks, everyone. Uh, if you have questions, quips, comments, or concerns, you can email them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. We are going to continue this series through the rest of the eight core emotions. Um, we might do it weekly. I know we went from like never releasing an episode to hyper releasing episodes, <laughs> but we're going to try to keep up with it because we really um, have loved these conversations and you all have loved them too. So thanks for that. Tune in next time and remember, as always, to stay curious. curious.